1: Hey church, I'm Katie, she, her, the lead evangelist at Galileo Church. Tonight's service of worship is not like most others for us. For 10 months, the human family has endured escalating trauma, and in the week just past, the cacophony of multiple crises we are trying to survive rose to a deafening crescendo. Not least is that the skeleton crew that produces worship from the Big Red Barn each week was exposed altogether to COVID last Sunday. Yes, the whole crew. And our own policy states that after a known exposure, pastoral staff and volunteers alike cannot return to the Big Red Barn for two weeks. So we are producing worship from our homes, and changing the format significantly to make sure our God is honored by beauty and intentionality, even while we are seeking companionship for our lamentation. Tonight will be more like a prayer service, with the prayers of our ancestors and our songs mingling together as a fragrant offering to the God with whom we have to do. Just like always, we are happy for you to check in to let us know that you're here or leave prayer requests on the virtual prayer wall and share money with us if you can. But mostly, we're hopeful that this hour, actually, I think about 45 minutes, will engage your body and mind, heart and soul in worship, including communion near the end for which you will need a bite to eat And something to drink. I went to Chuck E. Cheese to play whack-a-mole and get a doctorate. That is, I was working on my doctorate on Long Island when my kids were little and with stacks of reading to do, more than I could finish during Lance's turn in our brand of tag-team parenting, I found refuge at Chuck E. Cheese. It was so noisy there that all the sounds blurred together and I could read in peace, comforted by the knowledge that my kids could not escape and the supply of Diet Coke would never run out. Every half hour or so, I'd leave my books, check on the kids, take a token from our family stash, and slip it into the whack-a-mole game. You remember that big mallet tethered to the box, those tricky plastic moles just popping up at random. I gleefully bopped their sinister smiling heads, winning tickets to trade for plastic trinkets that made my kids happy-ish. Truth is, Whack-A-Mole always made me feel better, like I could conquer obstacles, complete my task, solve problems. Church, humans, we've been playing whack-a-mole for a really long damn time. It's a pandemic. No, it's systemic racism and white supremacy. No, now it's political turmoil. No, now it's the rollback of protections for LGBTQ folks. No, now it's the pandemic again. Whack, whack, whack. Only it turns out, this game never ends. The wicked little moles hiding just under our feet are never truly subdued. We cannot mark any of these things off our list. The Annus horabilis called 2020 may be over, but we have not solved any of the problems that matter. And what happened last week I'm speaking now of the breach of the US Capitol building during the certification of the presidential election by people who are variously called insurrectionists, rioters, criminals, terrorists, protesters, patriots. They go by many names depending on the heart of the witness. What happened last week has shown us the folly of the whack-a-mole approach to humanity's brokenness or shown us again. Because one understanding that is surely growing in us these days is the interconnectedness of all the miseries. Interlocking injustices is what Reverend Dr. William Barber said last week, and it's becoming clearer all the time. So we watched the scene unfolding in Washington last week. Our minds cycling rapidly between shock and, of course, this being the inevitable clash between pedantic factuality, i.e. votes cast and counted, and the repetition of the one big lie that feeds the politics of resentment, and who among us did not think if these people were black? I mean, if it did not rise to consciousness that the seriously inadequate security measures and remarkably hands-off law enforcement were due to the insurgents' whiteness, well, we'll keep working on that together. And it's not just the fact of their whiteness, but white supremacist ideology on display throughout, from the announcements about the event by its white nationalist organizers to the Confederate flags flying over the crowds, And let us not forget the crosses they carried and the Jesus saves banners and the prayers that were led on the Capitol steps as the violence began. Whack, whack, whack. How many moles are we up to now? And the politicians and the staffers and the journalists huddled together in tight quarters now destined to become a super-spreader event as clouds of tear gas and coronavirus mingled in the air, the roiling chaos pushing the escalating national daily death toll below the fold in the nation's newspapers, hovering around 4,000 a day, hospitals all over the country full to overflowing, ICU beds and equipment and medical staff in the richest country in the world, stretched too thin, all of it preventable if leaders with power and influence could get, as our series song last season said, free from the lies. Whack, whack, whack. What I found myself thinking about this week, trying to choose psalms for our prayers tonight, is the power and problem of pronouns. I now understand, thanks to my beloveds on the Queer Rainbow, that I grew up taking the pronouns that signal a person's identity for granted, which is itself a privilege. She, her, hers always applied to me, even when it was not to my advantage. Likewise, and more problematic by far, we, us, and, they, them were also very clear cut for me until they weren't. We, we were Christians and the good kind and Americans and white and as such, we were good and trustworthy and hardworking and deserving of every advantage we got and etc. They were, well, they were everybody else not like us and we were suspicious of them at best and antagonistic toward them at worst when i read the psalms some of that old us them distinction comes out in a way that makes my stomach churn anymore god is on our side not on their side the psalms are bold to assert and for our ancestors we should remember that most of us were not included in their we, disallowed inside their tight circle, excluded from their sense of collective camaraderie with the God of the universe. You know, it feels to me like everything that's happening in our world right now, everything in the news, everything in our hometowns and our families, everything in our church and in the continuing evolution of global Christianity, it's all calling on us to rethink our pronouns. Who are we, really? Who are they, really? Can I actually put distance between myself and the swarming insurrectionists at the Capitol if they and I both believe that Jesus saves? Can I truly declare myself unaffected by the white supremacy that manifests as white privilege, In my little life, can I genuinely grieve the loss of life each day from the lofty, lucky position I occupy where I've just had my first known exposure to the virus in the last week when so many more, indeed, so many of you have endured far greater risk for a far longer time? are we? Who are they? Who am I? Who are you? It feels right somehow for all of this to be jumbled up right now. And it feels right to confess the jumbling of it before God, using the prayers of our ancestors as best we can. Their faithful prayers, after all, eventually, made room for all of us in the heart of Jesus who prayed them and in the heart of those who came after him. So maybe our own faithful prayers in this season, even when they are confused as hell, can do what they've done before, form us into people who stay connected to the God who is asking us to consider anew how God is at work among us, and them, and the whole wide world. Maybe if we remain attentive to all the interlocking injustices of every news cycle, finding old language for every new catastrophe, God will show us again how to open our hearts to each other, to our beloveds, to our enemies and our frenemies, sorting out all the whees and all the they's until there really is just us, all of us, together, healthy and whole, beloved and loving. Anyway, that's what we're going to try tonight. We'll let God work out the pronouns. We'll let God work on our hearts. Whoever you are, I'm glad you're here. This is the 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though its mountains tremble with
0: this tumult. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city, it shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter. God utters God's voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salah. Come behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations God has brought upon the
1: earth. God makes war cease to the end of the earth. God breaks the bow and shatters the spear. God burns up shields with fire. God says, be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the
0: earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. This is the 27th Psalm, verses 1 through
1: 14. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, seek his face. Your face, Lord, do I seek. Do not hide your face from me.
0: Do not turn your servant away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, The Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness in the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord.
1: If pronouns are problematic because they are so powerful, they're also filled with possibility. Consider Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of an enslaved person, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So said the Apostle Paul in Philippians 2. All that is to say, Jesus became like us so that he could be us. In all the confusion of his time, in all the violence and exclusionary supremacist ideology, Even in a culture of death that would claim his own life, he chose to align himself with us, with humanity, with all of our brokenness and all of our burdens. When we eat and drink this meal, make no mistake, our pronouns are being realigned we join with Jesus in the formation of a new inclusive us where the broken and burdened are exalted, where the one big lie is exposed and the politics of resentment is crucified and where death, even as loudly as it shouts, as it storms the steps and breaches the barriers, does not get the last word. Let's pray. O God, may the eating and drinking of this meal draw us near to the memory of Jesus. And may that memory draw us near to your heart. This is a reading from the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast,
0: but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful. Or arrogant or rude love does not insist on its own way love is not irritable or resentful love does not rejoice in wrongdoing love rejoices in the truth love bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things love never ends but as for prophecies they will come to an end As for tongues, they will cease, and as for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned as a child, but then I became an adult and I put away. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love.
1: Church, you are so loved. I, I don't really have words to say how much I miss you and how heartily I long for the time when we get to be together face to face. I'm also quite heartened by the reality that we keep making this work, that we keep finding ways to connect with each other and to connect with the God of our hearts. Hang in there, keep it up. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Stay safe, be well, go in peace.
0: Thanks for listening to That's What She Said. This podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal, or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.